It is Friday, August 18th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. Week two of the preseason underway. And two more games tonight. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Sister kissing in the city of brotherly love. Browns and Eagles play to a tie. Joint practices around the NFL. Fights galore. Fights everywhere. But that's preseason football, AJ. That's training camp, baby. Yep, and UFC 292 this weekend. We'll look at that a little bit as well. What is the Vegas lead, Scott? Uh, we'll, we'll get into the UFC. I want the best bet from you coming up later on in the show. But let's leave it the NFL preseason week two kicked off last night. The Eagles and the Browns tied at 18 because we don't play overtime in the preseason. Thank goodness, right? But <laughs> what are the odds a game starts with a safety and ends in a tie? That's got to be pretty unique. What are the odds that the total gets pushed down from 37 to 35? We have a fumble at the goal line. <laughs> which then led to the safety. We have a fourth and goal from the three that doesn't get converted, and yet still the game goes over barely 36 points. Yeah, if you got the late number. If you got the late number. Well done. If you played the over on the 37 number, sorry. You should have listened to Fez because Fez, Steve Fezzik here at pregame.com kept saying the magic number for NFL week two preseason. For week one, it was, what, 33 that's 33. the magic number. But he said any number under 37, you play the over. Yeah, there you go. Push down below 37 today. Uh, you play the over, and you are a winner. Depending. You could push. Uh, you could you push. got 36. Or, 35 mean, Somebody and probably half, got 36 and a half, maybe. And Most that's, people that's are six. sad. That, that's that's uh, nice. But, yeah, if you if you played, if you played I got over late. I got 35 and a half. And so, boy, we just we just got there. The hair on your chinny chin chin. <laughs> I know it's got to feel good. Bust down the hair today too. I did too. Look at us. Yeah. Look at us. Couple of uh, clean cut guys. <laughs> Couple of clean cut guys. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, who was a guy I was most excited to see last night. Yep. It was. Uh, Good, not great. It wasn't like it was at the Hall of Fame game. Like I was expecting to see the dynamic. Like it, it, he just looked like a, a young guy trying to make it in the NFL yeah, last night. It, he looked good, but they just didn't engineer any scoring. Like he had, he was thirteen of twenty five, one hundred and sixty four yards. He rushed for eighteen yards on four carries, three drives. He led the Browns inside the Eagles' red zone, but they just didn't score enough points. Yeah, and Kellen Mond goes down, scores a touchdown, which, uh, you know, Dorian Thompson-Robinson did not. So last week I was like, oh, Kellen Mond's done, Mm -hmm. but maybe he's getting his way back into this battle. Uh, On the other side, Marcus Mariota, not a great start for Marcus Mariota. I I don't think there's any chance of Tanner McKee taking the backup job for Marcus Mariota. I think that's pretty safe. And how much can you judge? I mean, he's working with – there's no starters playing – and I know it's, it's... I mean, Rashad Penny's out there. Kenneth Gainwell's out there. Yeah. The Eagles' second-string offense... Is good. Is not bad. Yeah, they're very <laughs> you know? good. Yeah. So, if, if, like, you'd expect him to at least look decent. Mm-hmm. I don't think he really looked decent last night. No. The, 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 the offense has struggled in this game. And based on everything I read about the joint practices between these two teams, mm-hmm. shouldn't have been surprised. I didn't want to play an over because everything I read was 
defenses are dominating. Defenses are dominating. That's probably, why the, number, that's probably why the number got pushed down. The number People just pushed, kept betting the under. Yeah, and I mean, either way, the number was about right. Let's yeah. face Let's call mm-hmm. it what it mm-hmm. is. I, I'm guessing the, the ticket count was about split. There was probably as many sure. winners as losers on this game. I didn't want any part of it because the number – I mean, it was certainly low, but it wasn't low enough that I was dying to play an under mm-hmm, on it mm-hmm. for sure. But everything I read was offenses are going to struggle. Defenses are dominating these these joint practices, and defenses dominated last night. Yeah, and the Eagles, N'Kobe Dean was really one of the only projected starters that was out there on defense. He came up with that clutch play when he smacked the ball out from John Kelly Jr., which was that fumble when the Browns were inside the four-yard line and they were about to score a touchdown. The Eagles recovered that fumble, so that was a big play, but then Kenneth Gainwell obviously got tackled in the end zone for the safety. Eagles suffered a couple of injuries on defense last night. Uh, they had injury, they had, they had you know guys left in free agency, so the Eagles Eagles linebacking core certainly a little uncertain, but the trio of Georgia players that they have looks like that's going to be a, a, a core part of their defense. Yeah, no doubt. And those guys great in college. I'm sure they'll they'll be great in the NFL. It's just a matter of what you build around them. I like that the Eagles have emphasized defense in the mm-hmm. draft. Uh, the offense is gonna the the offense is so they're great niche. They're like, great. It's so unique mm-hmm. that I think even even if it wasn't great, which it is. Yeah. It would still be effective, uh, but that defense is going to be key for them. I saw some strong things out of them last night. Yeah, they're they're just as likely to get back to the Super Bowl as anybody that's ever been to the Super Bowl. So, and I'm very high on the Eagles. I'm high on Jalen Hurts. So everyone knows that I'm not uh, I'm not high. I mean, I'm not hiding that fact of how high I am. You're not high on though. the Philadelphia Eagles. No, I might have been high when I you know picked them last year at 22 to one. Yeah, but. Stupider like a fox. They went to the Super Bowl. They went to the Super Bowl, so it didn't look that bad last year when I picked them. Let's take a rundown here of the week two preseason games because we do have two games on the schedule for tonight. So we're going to tell you the best of our knowledge what we know so far about the starters, the situation that's going on here in the preseason week two. And here in a bit, we'll bring in R.J. Bell to discuss every preseason game and what his thoughts are on them. But I I wanted to give like sort of what to watch for in every preseason game this week or this weekend. And starting with this Carolina Giants game, I think the real key is how does this Carolina offensive front hold up? Uh, Bryce Young, Miles Sanders, Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, Hayden Hurst. You hear a lot of good player names. I get that gives you reason to be excited about the offense. The line looked so bad last week against the Jets. Mm-hmm. How long can you even keep Bryce Young on the field if you can't competently protect him? This, the offensive line for Carolina, to me, is the biggest question mark on their team. If the offensive line is as bad as it was against the Jets, and I get the Jets' defensive front looks like it's supposed to be special, yeah. uh, but if if they can't hold up uh, like better than they did a week ago, I've got real concern that Carolina Carolina could be like one of the two or three worst teams in the league. Oh, I agree. I think we should definitely be fading Carolina, especially early on in the season. And as far as tonight is concerned, you know the Giants' pass rushers are going to be, you know, licking their chops because seeing what happened last week against the Jets, we know Bryce Young's going to start in this game. Brian Dable, on the other hand, he wouldn't say whether or not his starters would play. But if you look at last year in the second preseason game, the Giants played the bulk of their starters for most of the first half. And that was Brian Dable's first preseason as a head coach. So if you're just going off of that saying, hey, what is he going to do? What did he do last year? Last year, Daniel Jones played until the 1234 mark of the second quarter. So expect 
Jones and the starting offense to be out there for, I, I would say, at least the first quarter. Yeah, I'm curious to see how much they, they use their guys on offense. Last week, you saw basically no first-team reps. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, Tommy DeVito handled quarterback duties. Do we see Daniel Jones, and if so, how, for how long? I think what you're saying, probably most of the first quarter is, mm-hmm. is probably the way I would expect it. Uh, I, all I've read out of Giants camp is that Saquon Barkley looks amazing. Will we get a chance to see him in this mm. one? I'd, I'd like to see what he's got going on. Uh, apparently, there's people raving about his route running right now. Like he just he he looks healthy and happy. That's exciting for the Giants. So that's what I'm looking for tonight. Giants with the are Giants. three point favorites against the Panthers tonight. Total is at 39. The Bengals are at the Falcons tonight, and here's what we know: the Bengals defense will have their starters out for a drive. Now, maybe more than a drive. At least a drive. At least a drive against the Atlanta Falcons. That has been confirmed, and we know that Desmond Ritter and the Falcons starters will start the game as well. Here's what I know about uh, about the Bengals. Their quarterback competition behind Joe Burrow is apparently pretty real. I was under the understanding at the beginning of this thing that Trevor Simeon was the backup, Jake Browning was the third string quarterback. This week, they split all the reps with the first team at practice. Mm-hmm. Simeon set to play the first half of this game, Browning the second half, which is a reverse of last week. Uh, and both guys went out last week, threw a pick. Neither guy impressed. This is an important competition because there's a real chance that whoever wins the backup job is out on the field week one against Cleveland. Maybe, yeah. We still haven't heard anything about Joe Burrow. We don't know how close he is to a return. We don't know if he's going to be healthy when he's out there. So this this competition between Trevor Simeon and Jake Browning is a legit competition. You would say that this is probably the worst backup situation in the NFL? <sighs> Uh, the Houston Texans are, are in a pretty rough spot. Uh, I, I think Carolina's in a pretty rough spot. There, there's teams with bad quarterback rooms. Generally, like if you've got a bad starter, generally you've got a bad backup. The the Bengals are an exception because they've got a really good starter. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some backups. You tell me. Let's just say it's Trevor Simeon. Okay. All right. Would I rather have this backup or Trevor exactly. Simeon? At least Simeon's got experience sure. in the NFL, which is key for a backup quarterback. Sean Clifford, Packers. Oh, I'd rather have Trevor Simeon. Okay. Kyle Trask or Baker Mayfield? I, uh, I'd rather have Baker Mayfield uh, than Trevor Simeon, but I'd, I'd take Trevor Simeon over Tra- Kyle Trask. And the Packers situation is unique because they have a quarterback, a starting quarterback mm-hmm. in Jordan Love with real question marks. Yep. Sean Clifford is a rookie <laughs> with no experience. Like Their quarterback room is probably the least reliable in the league now that I think about it. All right, let's move on. Would you rather have Stetson Bennett or Trevor Simeon? For one year, Trevor Simeon. Okay. Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer. Or Aiden O'Connell, maybe. Aiden O'Connell, I guess, yeah. Uh, P.J. Walker. Oh, that might be where the line's drawn. Uh, Trevor Simeon. Malik Willis. Or Will Levis, but Malik Willis. I'll I'll go Malik Willis, Mm -hmm. only because I feel like there's upside with him that I don't think exists with Trevor Simeon. Uh, Two more. Nate Sudfeld. Trevor Simeon. Easton Stick. Made up person. Yeah. All right. So I think we could say he's. <laughs> My son bottom... swung an Easton Stick when he was yeah. like an eight you or something like that. I think we could say he's bottom six backup he, quarterback. He, it's pretty league. bad. It's a bad situation. And the fact that he's in a real competition with Jake Browning yeah. tells you just how yep. bad he is. Yep. As far as the Falcons, their defense was insane a week ago against Miami. Five sacks, three forced turnovers. The question to me is is that real? 
if we see it again, it might be time to start taking the Falcons a little more seriously. Like we know they've got questions at quarterback, but if the we know de- the market's high on them, if the defense is stout and they run the ball like they did a year ago, their ceiling might be higher than mm. best team in a bad division, which is what it is now. Like yeah. we think the Falcons were like, oh, they're the best team in the worst division. So well, the Saints, they're, 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 they're competing one of the, yeah. with the Saints. But if, if their defense is legit mm-hmm. this year, and we know they can run the ball, even with a real question mark at quarterback, we've seen that recipe work before. Yeah. If you can run the ball and play defense, you can have success. Uh, so I, I'm interested to see if what the Falcons did a week ago against Miami translates for another another week. Falcons right now six and a half point favorites over the Bengals. Let's take a look at the games for Saturday here, week two of the NFL preseason. We'll start with the Lions and the Jaguars. No starters will play for the Detroit Lions. No official word from the Jaguars, but Doug Peterson said a couple of things that makes it seem like some starters will play. The Jags are four point favorites over the Lions. Yeah, I'm curious to see Calvin Ridley. Like He remains a, a, a real question mark. You know, We haven't seen him play for two seasons but by all accounts, he dominated these joint practices against the Lions with the exception of an underthrown ball that got picked off that the the Lions made a big deal about. Uh, I'm eager to see what Calvin Ridley looks like in game action. He could be an absolute game changer. And then, like you said, the Lions not playing any offensive starters. They were without their – with basically their top three wide receivers in joint practices yesterday. Amon Ross St. Brown, Jameson Williams, Denzel Denzel Mims, excuse Mm -hmm. me, all missed practice. Williams is out for the rest of the preseason – puts his start to the season in doubt. Uh, We'll be interested to see how the Lions produce on offense with none of their weapons on the field. And on the other side of the ball, Aiden Hutchinson been nursing an ankle injury, so I don't think he'll get any run either. Uh, A lot of injury woes right now with the Lions. The Dolphins are at the Texans. C.J. Stroud will start once again for the Texans. Two is not going to play for the Dolphins. They'll also be without Teron Armstead, who was carted off the field in practice yesterday, A.J. Yeah, depth at offensive line is a question for them right now. So is the secondary, Uh, although maybe they won't be under too much duress facing this ragtag wide receiver mm-hmm. unit, although I do like what I've seen from mm-hmm. Dell. Uh, for the Texans, C.J. Stroud, my big takeaway from this week is going to be how does he handle scrutiny? He looked awful last week in a very short sample. If he looks awful again, there's going to be people talking about Davis Mills starting the season, which, mm. I, which, by the way, I think is a terrible idea. I've heard players say nothing but good things about C.J. Stroud this camp. Talking to some guys who've been at the practice every day, some media guys are saying, boy, this looks like a really weird situation. So I'm curious to see what C.J. Stroud looks like and how he handles the pressure if he has another preseason uh, performance. Texans, two-point favorites over the Dolphins. The Bills are at the Steelers. Buffalo, a a one-point favorite. Head coach Sean McDermott said that Josh Allen and the starters will play about a quarter and a half in this game, and the Steelers will play their starters, but Mike Tomlin did not say how long they'll be out there. Yeah, so for for the Bills, uh, I'm interested to see mostly if Dane Jackson has won the other starting cornerback job. It looks like he's in the lead for that uh, I'm also watching to see if if Damian Harris is healthy enough to be out there mm. uh, he's been banged up same with Terrell Bernard who is supposed to be kind of the guy that replaced Tremaine Edmonds he hasn't been on the field and then just like most of these spots I'm looking at the backup quarterback job Matt Barkley outplayed Kyle Allen uh, in Indy and McDermott called the backup job a true open competition mm. I think it was kind of thought that Kyle Allen was the uh, assumed backup maybe Matt Barkley outperforms him again and there you know this is a, a, a real competition here for Pittsburgh you know, Pickett looked good marching the, t- the team down for a touchdown against Tampa, but that was all we saw of him. We saw yep. one series. Yep. So I'm excited to see a little bit more. And Pittsburgh becomes a team that really interests me if Pickett can take a healthy step forward this yeah. season. Uh, secondary something to watch, too. Joey Porter Jr. is going to make his debut 
Uh, Patrick Peterson's been playing in the slot. Chandon Sullivan, James Pierre, both were disasters last week. Uh, Sub-40 PFF grades in week one. So I got to see what the depth for this Pittsburgh secondary looks like. But getting Joey Porter out there, a good step in the right direction. The Bears are at the Colts. India, four-and-a-half-point favorite. We know Anthony Richardson will start. No Justin Fields for the Bears. And other starters will not play as well for Chicago. Yeah, Justin Fields reportedly struggled a lot in joint practices this week, particularly in the red zone. And a lot of the a lot of the Bears' projected starters, you mentioned not a lot of starters playing, a lot of them didn't even practice this week. That includes Tremaine Edmonds. That includes Chase Claypool. Eddie Jackson was out there for the first practice, got injured by the end of it, so he didn't play in, or he didn't practice in mm-hmm. the second practice. Uh, I don't know how much the, the starters are going to play, the starters that are available, but I, w- I would expect the Bears to be very cautious this week. Uh, as far as the Colts, we'll see how much run Anthony Richardson gets. I'm curious to see how the other two quarterbacks respond. We talked a little bit about both of them, both Sam Ellinger and Gardner Minshew outplayed Anthony Richardson mm-hmm, last week. Mm-hmm. And then they say, well, you're the starter, Anthony Richardson. Yeah. How do those guys respond? But injuries are really hitting this team hard, too. Rashad Perriman, Mo Alley-Cox, Rodney Harrison Jr., uh, Ryan Kelly, all dealing with injuries right now. And I'm also curious to see how the running backs act. Can Kenyon Drake and Zach Moss like show th- that they can carry the load? If not, like only the Colts know the real story with Jonathan Taylor. If what they have isn't enough, they're going to have to act fast. Dalvin Cook, Zeke Elliott, both came off the market already. Like if if the if the Colts aren't comfortable with what they've got at running back that doesn't include Jonathan Taylor, mm-hmm. they need to make something happen ASAP. The Bucks at the Jets, Hard Knocks episode three. Uh, Jets are three and a half point favorites over the Bucks. Zach Wilson will start. Robert Sala said the plan is going to be quote very similar to last week. He did note that quote couple more defensive guys will play, but it will be the same plan for the offense. And if that if the Jets are coming off a shutout of the Carolina Panthers. Kyle Trask is going to get the start here for the Bucs, and then we'll see Baker Mayfield. If the Jets have the players that played last week on defense, and they're adding a couple of starters to get some run here early on, it's it's pretty—you can see the Jets having another good defensive performance. Yeah, that Mayfield-Trask battle (laughs) remains interesting. They're probably going to be under duress. Like, if Quinn Williams is back out there, he's been wreaking havoc both in games at practices. And McDonald was the star of last week. Yeah, he's he's a real problem. So, uh, but as far as the Jets go, well, excuse, for, first for the Bucks, defensively is the big question. Todd Bowles has outwardly said if his defense can't get pressure from the outside, struggle. Mm-hmm. Shaquille Barrett's going to be back this week uh, from the Achilles injury, and, and Joe Tyron Sharinka looks like he could be an impact pass rusher. This is gonna, this is interesting because for the for the Jets, the offensive line that Rogers said this week wasn't an issue. Mm-hmm. We're going to really find out. Kai Beckton's going to play right tackle. It's going to be mm-hmm. under the microscope for sure. The most, the thing I'm most looking forward to with the Jets is: Do we see Dalvin Cook? I, I'm almost certain we won't see Brees Hall. Like you know, it would be a really <laughs> quick turnaround for him to get out there in game duty. Uh, but Dalvin Cook, if he's ready to go, I want to see it. I want to see what Dalvin Cook looks like in green, and uh, and see if the Jets can move the ball on the ground. And it's the first Jets home preseason game. Remember, they they had the Hall of Fame game in Canton, and then last week in Carolina. So now they're home in front of their fans, three and a half point favorites in this one. The Chiefs are at the Cardinals. Andy Reid said the Chiefs starters, including Patrick Mahomes, will play the first half of this game, uh, but Mahomes and some other starters might play actually less than the first half, but the starters will be in there. The Chiefs 
seven and a half point favorites. I don't. That's know. a high line for a preseason it, game. It's a massive line. I don't. But remember, the Fez talked about one and zero teams versus zero and one teams. You want to back the zero and one teams. The Chiefs are the zero and one team here in this case. And uh, it's Mahomes is going to play the first half. Right. And I now, would absolutely play a Chiefs first half. I, but I thought that last week and it didn't come through. Yeah, but he, how much did he play in the first half last? First week? couple drives. That's what I'm saying. Like so. I, but I think the reason why Andy Reid's playing the ones so much this week is because they were so they were so sluggish a week ago. Maybe. Like if if the Chiefs had looked like the Chiefs last week, mm-hmm. I don't think he'd be talking about playing them more this week than he did a week ago. Uh, I really want to see if any of these wide receivers are any good. MVS, Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony. I don't know if any of them are better than like a wide receiver three mm-hmm. in the real world. Uh, and I want to see what the pass rush looks looks like without Chris Jones out there. Maybe we see more from former giant Danny Shelton. Uh, but there, there's got to be some kind of pressure built from this Kansas City defense. And, you know, it, it's uh, it, right now they're, they're not getting much. As far as Arizona, the QB competition is fascinating to me. They have four guys in camp right now competing for what will eventually be two jobs when Kyler Murray returns. Colt McCoy has been the presumed starter this whole time. Rookie Clayton Toon got the biggest workload in week one. And there's real talk about Clayton Toon starting week one wow. for the Cardinals. Uh, there's people hinting that he might be actually the, the guy who starts. Are the Cardinals the, playing in the American Athletic Conference? Yeah, maybe they are. <laughs> they have Memphis in week one? They, well, you would hope. Yeah. Well, the other, the other options aren't great, though. David Blau got plenty of reps as well. We know he stinks. And Jeff Driscoll is apparently nursing, nagging practice injuries. Mm-hmm. Not a great sign. But there's a real competition for backup quarterback and maybe even starting quarterback to start the season here in Arizona. Patriots are Packers, Packers, two-and-a-half-point favorites, and no word from either team of how long the starters, if at all, will play. Yeah, Sean Clifford, they're talking about him like he's a lot to make the roster. But we talked about this earlier. Can you feel great about a team when you've got a quarterback making his first real starts in Jordan Love, and he's backed up with a rookie who is very careless with the football? Two picks in the first game. When they asked him about it, he said, that's how I play. I (laughs) I take risks. It seems like Clifford's got to protect the ball more or the Packers need to find a more veteran backup. Uh, I'd expect this this game, I think, is going to go a long way for Sean Clifford. For New England, I, I'm curious to see if Zeke gets the ball, like if he's going to be out there mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. doing the spoon thing. What happens to Pierre Strong, who looked like promising in backup duty last season? Do we see him get extended reps and maybe they try to use him as a trade piece? Uh, there's a lot of teams out there who need a running back right now. Mac Jones getting rave reviews in practice. People saying, oh, he fits so well in O'Brien's system. Things are looking really good for him. Do we see him on the field? Do we see more Bailey Zappi? Do we see more Malik Cunningham? That's a good question, too. Because he he showed that he could be a weapon for this offense. Tyquan Thornton left practice with an injury this week. Does that give Kayshawn Booty an opportunity? He he's Remember, this is a guy who was a first-round, pro- mm-hmm. projected first-round mm-hmm. pick, dropped to the sixth. And I've heard a lot of good things about him at practice. I drafted him in my keeper league. I mean, if he gets an opportunity, this is a guy who could really make a difference if he ever returns to what he looked like his freshman year. So that's what I'm watching for in that game. Titans are at the Vikings. Tennessee a two-and-a-half-point favorite. The Vikings announced that they are not expected to play any of their starters. Yeah, I really wanted to see these two young quarterbacks for Tennessee. Unfortunately, Will Lattice left practice yesterday with an injury. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing he's not going to be playing tomorrow. Malik Willis turning into something would put the Titans in a weird spot where one of their two draft picks, they made a third-round and a second-round investment in quarterbacks. I, I think they would trade Malik Willis. One of them's like... And get something for him. For Will Levis, you mean? No, I think they would trade... I, I think they would trade Willis. Oh, if he's good. I mean, man, that's that's tough. Uh, if he's better, especially, do you mm-hmm. trade your better guy? 
Uh, Either way, Willis comfortably outplayed Levis last weekend. Whoever does it this week, he's going to have to do it without Traylon Burks. Obviously tough for a team that doesn't have a lot of pop on the outside. Mm -hmm. Uh, For the Vikings, I want to watch the wide receivers. K.J. Osborne has apparently... They're saying he's playing himself into the number two wide receiver job across from Justin Jefferson. Uh, we we all assumed that was going to be Jordan Addison. He's been dealing with injuries. Jordan Na- or excuse me, Jalen Naylor has been dealing with injuries. They're not practicing even. Uh, but it, there's a guy named you'll you'll be familiar with him, Tristan Jackson, who's a Syracuse wide receiver, fourth year I think. Apparently having the best camp of anyone not named Justin Jefferson. So if if he can really step up, maybe suddenly receiver depth becomes a, a positive yeah. thing for the Vikings. Uh, one place where they're not deep, running back. They have to get something out of someone not named Alexander Madison. If these backup guys struggle again, I would expect them to give a call to Kareem Hunt, see if they can do something, because what they've got behind Madison so far looks like it doesn't look good enough. Broncos four-point favorites at the 49ers. Nothing official yet, but it looks like Sam Donald will likely get the start because that appeared to be the plan from Kyle Shanahan going into week one of the preseason was that Trey Lance starts week one, Sam Donald starts week two. Shanahan said, quote, it's not set in stone. What I said last week, we wanted Trey to get the majority of the first half so Sam could get the next. Next week. So it sounds like Donald will be the starter. Yeah, this is all about the quarterbacks to me. How much time does each guy get? I, I've heard ref, or I've read ref, conflicting reports. Some people are saying Brock Purdy may play some some snaps in the preseason. Some say Brock Purdy, no chance to play in preseason. I don't know, but who separates themselves between Lance and Donald is or Darnold is obviously the story in San Francisco. As far as Denver, Peyton had the the starting offense out there for right around 20 plays last week, which is more than the typical NFL team had their starters mm-hmm. out there. It didn't go well. And a lot of it was the offensive line just looks dreadful. Does he keep giving that first offense extended playing time, which he he's hinted at this week that they're going to get more reps out there. Yep. But do you protect Russ and, and let someone else get beat up behind that bad offensive line? Like, I, I don't really know what the answer is, but it's going to be hard for Denver to produce anything offensively uh, until their offensive line plays a lot better than they did a week ago. Raiders three-and-a-half-point favorites at the Rams, and the big question is, will Aiden O'Connell duplicate the performance we saw in week one in the preseason where we had some analysts calling him the best rookie quarterback of the week? Yeah, he looked really good. I, I'm, I'm excited to see him again and, and see what he can do. He, he's a guy that I still have a lot of questions about. I wasn't a fan in college. He's, he's got the blow-up moment coming, I kept <laughs> saying. Uh, we'll see. And then as far as the Rams, the Rams are maybe one of the more interesting teams to watch in the preseason because it, literally, if your name isn't Sam Darnold, or Aaron Donald, or Sam Donald, Sam, uh, Matt, Matt Stafford or Aaron Donald, mm-hmm. you're fighting for a position. Like, you're fighting for a spot, a roster spot even. It, there's a ton of rookies. They're all battling. That's interesting to me. Like, the teams where the roster's set, whatever. Like I said, if you're not Matt Stafford or Aaron Donald, you are fighting right now for the Rams. That's in Bennett intrigues me so much because the idea of him being a viable NFL quarterback is something that people really weren't sure of. Nope. But maybe he can turn himself into one, and we know that you know Matt Stafford's not going to be around forever. Right. Uh, the Cowboys at the Seahawks. Seattle, a seven-point favorite in this game, which leads me to believe that we'll see starters for the Seahawks. We will not for the Cowboys. Yeah, that, that'd be my guess as well. So uh, if Dak Prescott were playing, we wouldn't see a seven-point favorite <laughs> here. So uh, not sure what the timeline will look like for the Seahawks, uh, but Pete Carroll's a guy we know takes the preseason seriously, so I wouldn't be surprised if, if, they, get, if they get some serious work in the first half. 
last. And only one game on Sunday, the Saints at the Chargers, the Saints three-point favorites. Are we going to see your guy, Easton Stick? Or are we going <laughs> to see any Justin Herbert this, this preseason? I'm not sure. Uh, I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him sling it around a little bit. Uh, but no word yet out of the Chargers as far as what they're planning to do on Sunday. Usually, I mean, usually you don't get any info until the day before. Mm-hmm. You know, we're here on Friday morning, and we're still finding new things out about these guys who are going to play on Saturday. Uh, I have no idea what either of these teams are going to look like on Sunday. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained, and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it and it's so easy here Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ, It's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped the board as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1. Because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality. And I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support, vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. Joining us this morning on Straight Out of Vegas AM is RJ Bell. RJ, thanks so much for giving us a couple of minutes of your time here as we enter week two of the preseason. Couple of minutes, that's going to be busting on AJ. That, I mean, it's got to be longer than that. <laughs> I'm trying to save him, okay? <laughs> Thank save you, Save him for Thank now. Thank you, Scott. If I tell you we have limited time, maybe you don't talk as much about Justin Herbert. Unfortunately, and- <laughs> the audience would be deprived at that point, one, one way or the other. Well, it is week two of the preseason. And in week one, we saw rookie quarterbacks struggle, which is it's, it's to be expected, right? It, it was a time in the NFL, and RJ, you'll, I'm sure you'll agree with this, Rookie quarterbacks didn't come in and play, or they then they weren't expected to play well. It wasn't until, I think, guys like RG3 and Andrew Luck came into the league and had immediate success that the idea kind of changed, and it was, hey, and part of it could also be the money that you're paying these guys when you draft them early. The idea just flipped, and it was, we have to play these guys right away. 
Well, when you said that, my first thought was Dan Marino. So uh, my head's still thinking about Dandy Dan Marino, who, <laughs> as a rookie, was amazing. His uh, second year was one of the best seasons in history. If you actually look at some of the yards Marino had, I think, in 84, maybe look that up, AJ, is it's like literally it would be a good season now. Mm -hmm. Now think about that. In 84, Terry Bradshaw was just about was retiring. <laughs> so, um, yeah. <laughs> 5,084 yards. That's uh, a lot. In 1984. And, and how many touchdowns? Uh, 48 touchdowns, 17 picks. Yeah. Wow. That is a lot of throwing the football. <laughs> My goodness. Gun, a gunslinger. That's, that second year of his career was the most yards he threw in a season by like 300-something yards. And it, it brings up an interesting point, which is, and we'll talk, I think, about the second year or the guys that emerged last year. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes that, that follow-up year after a statement year – is when the league spent the entire offseason preparing. How do we stop the Eagles with Hurts yeah. now that they got the tushy pushy? Is that, is that how it goes? <laughs> Just a tush I'll push. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. We don't need tushy. tushy -pushy. I don't like it. It, it sounds nice. What's it, 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 you kind of made a face like someone was like talking about like grinding teeth with a. I, I don't like the word. I don't like tushy pushy. It just it sounds weird. Hmm. I think it sounds all American. Let's save <laughs> let's save that for the dream preview. You're on SOVAM. It's just a tush push. All right, all right, all right. The um, <laughs> let's think to ourselves: How many quarterbacks have played well their rookie year? So here's gives you a little indication. ESPN after the Mac Jones rookie year did a top ten rookie year quarterbacks in the last ten years. Right. Baker Mayfield had the best rookie year in the history or in the, in that decade by their assessment. Mac Jones was like fifth. Hmm. So I would make the case. I mean, think about it, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, who's the last quarterback to have a good rookie year? RG3. That's what I'm saying. No, RG3, RG3 had a real good yeah, one. Yeah, and so did Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck, okay. Cam, Cam Newton. Uh, okay. So, I mean, we're, we're talking eight, nine years ago, right? A lot more than that. Russell Wilson. Well, Cam, <laughs> Yeah, but he was a big-time game manager, but certainly a, a good— But his year, I'd say, was pretty analogous to, like— And maybe part of it was he— To like, Mac Jones, maybe. Him being a third-rounder, like, that that made it seem greater than it was? Like, he he played like you'd expect a top pick to play? Yeah, yeah. No, no, I think you're right. you got to get Russell Wilson on the list, but doesn't that kind of show— Like, again, we're talking ten, eight, ten years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, when is the last rookie— Think about the draft choice. I mean, Josh Allen didn't. No. Now, Mahomes didn't even play. His yeah. first year playing was good. Uh, he won the MVP. But PFF did a study, and they said if you look, you almost can throw out the first year. They're saying it's not predictive. It's like, does a guy do horribly, or, you know, Ryan Wilson style, or does a guy go uh, Mac Jones style, let's say, which was – the best of those rookie years. It almost doesn't matter for year two and three based on history, but year two is vital. If th they don't show signs of progress in year two, it's over. And that's why I think the Justin Fields thing. Now, again, there's exceptions, and Josh Allen was a big one, probably mm -hmm. the biggest we've ever had. We could say Daniel Jones is, but I'm not sure he is yet, right? Because where's he at? Middle of the road? Yeah. But Josh Allen had a bad second year. And he's a top-five quarterback. That's rare. Yeah. So in a weird way, first year doesn't matter. Second year, vital. And we've got a lot of rookies. And mm. I, I think if it doesn't matter, that means how much can we really hope for? Well, I, I thought of one more great rookie year. Okay. 
I don't mean to make it awkward, mm-hmm. but my guy Herbs was pretty good his rookie year. Moving on. Yeah, so. no, 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 no. I, mean, I mean, he was. He was. I mean, if, if going 8-8 eight and eight is— I, I, They were below 500 his rookie uh, year, <laughs> but he, he, his personal success was strong. Well, listen, the funny thing is it's the same thing we're hearing now. Which, man, he's got potential. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, fair enough. But speaking of the rookies, I, I was just, you know, I was thinking about your best bet that you gave out on DreamPod, which was uh, fading the Carolina Panthers in week one. Yep. And you were going with the Falcons laying three at home. And I started to look at the, the Panthers' schedule, at least in the first quarter of the season, right, the first four weeks. And I started thinking about all the rookie quarterbacks in those first four weeks because I think there'll be a significant in- adjustment period to the NFL game. And I looked at the spreads because we have the DraftKings lines for the entire season. And most of these numbers just don't make sense to me. Like the Panthers, three-point dogs at home against the, uh, or at Atlanta week one. I, I totally on, and I'm, and on, I'm on board with you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in that play on the Falcons. They're one-point dogs at home to the Saints. Four-point dogs at Seattle. A point and a half at home to Minnesota. It just feels like all of those numbers should be bigger. Well, but here's the question. And here's a way you can do it. Look at the win total. So you can use the win totals on the season to give you a power rating. And for each half a game of win total is worth one point per game. All right. So if a team is a half a game better, then they're one point better. Mm-hmm. One game better, then two points better. All right. So you could do some simple math. Now, again, you should, if you want to be very specific, look at strength of schedule and, and, and move that out. For example, you look at a team like the Saints, they're going to have a higher season win total than you would expect, but they have such an easy schedule. Yeah. And I think I want to talk about that a little bit later. Um, Okay, so if we look at, let's say, Carolina and Atlanta, right? Atlanta's eight and a half, Mm -hmm. and Carolina's seven and a half. Yep. So it means two points better. Now, what's the home field? You know, point and a half. Now, I don't think it gets up to three and a half with just the power rating, but I think it's a situation where uh, three for sure you get there. And then to finish my handicap on that pick, Frank Reich, five opening days in his head coaching career, hasn't won one straight up, zero wins straight up, zero wins against the spread. And he has one push against the spread, and he's eight points per game, though, on average, losing against the spread. Mm. Not good to start. I didn't like at all what I saw blocking-wise or even coaching approach-wise in, in the first preseason game. Their offensive line looks like a real problem. Like, the, the starters were in there, and the Jets had the yeah. backup. And they're yeah. only going to get exposed more. Like, they played the Giants tonight, and if the Giants eat eat up Bryce Young like, like the Jets did, the offensive line is just going to get more and more exposed. These lines are going to move. I, I think it's possible, and, and I also think that rookie – Quarterback starting opening game, not great. Mm-hmm. So to me, I got the Frank Wright connection. And I also think lastly, with Atlanta, this is one of the most, if not the most creative running attacks in the league. Yeah. And I think that they're going to have a few tricks. I wouldn't be surprised if they get one 40-yard run on something a little tricky. And that's that, that can be a swing in the game. Sure. So I do like Carolina. Lane the 110, you can still get it. Laying three points. So let's move along to the, the rest of the first four weeks for Carolina. They're one-point dogs at home against New Orleans. New Orleans' win total is nine and a half. Okay, now, they, but yeah, that's interesting because Carolina and the Saints are in the same division, so strength of schedule is going to be pretty similar. So maybe we can't even adjust too much for that. So you're saying that means they're going to be four points better, right? You're saying nine and a half to seven and a half? Yeah. 
Okay. And then where's the game at? It's in Carolina. All right. So let's give that two. So that should be Saints by two. And Saints are only one point favorites. Hmm. Okay. So it's in range, but yeah. Next week, the Carolina Panthers go to Seattle. Okay, and Seattle's nine and a half? Seattle's nine and a half. Okay, so um, what we're going to do, Seattle has a little better home field. So four points plus a two and a half, let's say. So you could say six, I think, is what the line should be. At that back of yeah. the envelope. And Seattle's only a four-point favorite. Now, here's one thing to think about. If you look at Fez's power ratings, and he'll be putting those out every week, and all 32 teams, is usually the best team in the league is about a plus six. That's six points better than an uh, average team. Mm-hmm. And the worst team is a minus six to start the season. By the end of the season, the best team is usually plus eight, plus eight and a half. Worst team, minus eight, minus eight and a half. Now, why do you guys think that that, that the spread, or not, we won't call it the spread, the distance between the best and the worst, why does it grow? It's an interesting question. It is an interesting yeah. question. It's driven by the certainty we have over the uncertainty entering the year. Mm. We really don't know how good any of these teams sure. are. Right? We have an idea from yeah. last year. And as, as with more data, you, you find out how bad these teams really are. Yeah, by week, <laughs> by week 15, 16, 17, most people, almost all handicappers, don't have any priors left. So what's a prior? A prior is an assumption about the team entering the season mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with what they've done this season. It's just an estimate. And a lot of good handicappers, week six, seven, eight, still have priors as a big chunk of their power rating. So we just don't know yet. And thus, these lines generally are going to be a little tighter yeah. just because we have less certainty. Well, I just think it's a good exercise. For me, I, I'm, I'm going to try and, and do this exercise with the, with the win totals. But specifically picking on the rookie quarterbacks mm. in the first couple of weeks of the season. So, so we're picking tar- on them as in we're betting, we're betting against, against, them. against them. Yes. <laughs> so I'm picking on Carolina. I'm going to pick on Indy. Indy in the first couple of weeks of the season. Three and a half dog, three and a half point dogs against the Jags. A one point dog at Houston. It's not the battle of rookie quarterbacks. Yeah, now, count. let me ask you because AJ, uh, long history with the Houston Texans, <laughs> some acrimony, it's fair to say. Um, the more I hear, I, I don't watch preseason typically, is the more I hear about that game, the more that Houston at playmaker looked inept. The, the, the thought was that there's just no one to catch the ball. There's no one to run the ball. Oh, I guess they have a decent rookie from last year. Damian Pierce. Uh, Tank Dell was the guy, the rookie re- receiver. That's the one guy that anybody had anything positive to say about. But I think in general, the, the overall you know theme is there's just not enough weapons to even know if cj stroud can be good because he's thrown did you see that with your eyes in in the the first i did yeah i saw and i I did i also saw the tank dell like he can be a player but yeah and based on last year even you see that the texans just don't have a lot of weapons at playmaker how big is tank not big. He's not very big. So this is like a guy named Slim that's 400 pounds. Maybe. I, mean, I don't know if it's that awkward, but yeah. It's, no, because he's like 5'8", right? Yeah, he's a, he's a tiny think, guy. I don't think they're being anything but ironic by calling a guy 5'8", his first, Tank. His first name is Nathaniel. Uh-huh. So maybe like uh, maybe Tank is some sort of nickname that has to do with Nathaniel, Nathan. How many, how many names? Tank, Tank, Tank. So do you ever say, let's go get a Tank dog <laughs> for Nathaniel's hot dog? <laughs> yeah, Tank's famous. <laughs> that sounds pretty good, actually. Ch- Tank's chili sounds good. <laughs> tank steaks. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh huh. I would. I would get a por- uh, porterhouse from Tanks. Are you a Coney Island guy? Yeah, grew up there. You grew up on Coney Island. Yes. Did you ever hear surf. the Lou Reed song "Coney Island Baby"? 
probably if I heard it, I would uh, say yes, uh-huh. I have. All right. Yeah. yeah. All right. I've so, been to I've been to the original Nathan's multi, many times. Uh, Nathan, Tank Tank Dell's nickname is not meant to mock his small stature. It originated when he was a baby, and his mother noted that he had a large head. <laughs> and a large head became a tank. I guess so. All right. Okay. It's huh. better than calling him forehead, though. It's <laughs> true. I wouldn't be as cool of a nickname. Now, let's talk about second year or the year after someone emerges. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Trevor Lawrence, you could say, emerged in the second year. What's going on this offseason? Teams in the division, especially teams that got him on the schedule. Philly's a good example. They're looking to figure out how to stop him. That's why they say 20 games. That's why we don't really know much, as much as we want to celebrate the 49ers, seventh round, Mr. Irrelevant. We just don't know Brock Purdy, how good he is. No, there's no way to know. Because he only played, you know, what, mm-hmm. six or seven games. And this whole offseason, they're looking to stop him. We'll see. But you see, you see it all the time. Mac Jones might be that. Mac Jones had a good rookie year. Now, again, it could be the coordinator from last year. Who knows? But in general, I think the case could be made until you have 20 games in the books as a quarterback or an offensive scheme, like Philly's scheme. Um, And, I mean, 20 games in the books at the level you think they're at. Meaning, Josh Allen had that great third year. I was skeptical the next year. I said, we don't know. Well, he ended up having a good, you know, maybe not as good, but a good fourth year. And now we believe he's great. Once you have two years, you can really say that guy, that's his you level. You believe in him, yeah. Yeah. Now, again, injuries can happen. The league can change. You know, I mean, like, to, go ahead. Joe Burrow missed essentially a full season, but he's had two great seasons, and no one questions if Joe Burrow's what, great or what not. was the full season? Well, I guess he didn't miss a full season. He missed a good chunk of a season with injury with his uh, rookie year. Yeah, yeah, he lost about half, about right yeah. around half. Um, yeah, but but there were certainly listen. There were certainly questions. I mean, everyone was shocked what happened in year two, mm-hmm. and, and and then making the Super Bowl. But after year three, there's no one saying we don't know if Joe Burrow's yeah, a good quarterback it's true. or not. It's true. Now they might talk about injury risk, et cetera, sure. which I think is there. So I do think that's important. I, I think you could make the case that the Lions' offensive coordinator and Jared Goff in this system has emerged now. Is 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 he that good? That's a question. And I mean, go up and down the list of various. Um, Players that have, you know, I think Jalen Hurts is at the top of that. Who emerged last year? Trevor Lawrence, mm-hmm. Hurts. Yep. Some people took him second in the quarterback draft. <laughs> you still feeling good about Hurts? He's going to be the MVP this year. What's the odds? 11 to 1. He's the fourth favorite. That's pretty good. Now, now, where's Trey Lance at? I, I, no, I, it doesn't. <laughs> not on the, not, I, you know, like, like two months ago, he was 25 to 1. Imagine having that ticket in your pocket. How dumb you! He's only fifty to one now, apparently. So you know, these if you ever want fifty to one, the potential third string quarterback for the Forty Niners. Same odds, same odds as Brock Purdy, fifty to one. Yeah, it's funny. Cockroaches right there. Let's be honest. Have you guys talked about Scott piggybacking my bet? No. Ah, I mean, it was hilarious (laughs) because I was sitting back, almost. Remember in uh, Rounders. When they talk about Johnny Chan, where he waits and he waits, he goes, look at the discipline, look at the control. <laughs> I, I was just so fed. I go, what do you think? So the, the side don't raises. <laughs> I'm sorry, John. <laughs> uh, now that was different. That was Atlantic City. Yeah, heads up. Right, yeah. Oh, not heads up, but in a limit game. Okay. Again, you know, we want to get rounders right. Uh, so the question was who would be the second string quarterback for the 49ers? And McKenzie has a, and he's not here today, so we can 
Uh, Fire away. Like I'm not typically? True. <laughs> oh, you know, let me actually talk honestly for a second about McCann. <laughs> but but the um, he has a special place in his heart, it seems, for Trey Lance, which at this point, Kyle Shanahan, his first cousin, seems to hate Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. So it's because they brought up all the questions about, did you hear this in the press conference? It was just uh, today, I think, or, or yesterday, where they said, hey, a lot of people in the national media are questioning his instincts, Trey Lance, as a quarterback. Did you hear this? No. And Kyle goes, well, you know, that's to, that's to be expected with a first-round pick and uh, quarterbacks especially. And that was it. Mm. He, didn't, he did not defend him and say, oh, mm. unquestionably he has the natural talent. So at this point, he's in the doghouse. No doubt. And it's my belief the odds are probably 75% that it's going to be not Trey Lance. It'll be Sam Darnold at backup. And again, me back in Sam Darnold, you know how extreme this has to be. I was listening to an interview with uh, uh, Greg Papa, who's the he's the play-by-play mm-hmm. voice of the mm-hmm. 49ers. And he was, it was like on one of the San Francisco radio stations. And he was saying that, like, he thinks Sam Darnold could start week one. Like, he thinks legitimately, like, Darnold is closer to Brock Purdy in a quarterback battle than closer to Trey Lance in a quarterback battle. Now, what happens? Oh, Lord. <laughs> what happens if <laughs> Sam Darnold starts week one, Purdy's out. And Lance is the backup? And Lance is the backup. No, no, no. no, no, no I mean, no, 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 it wouldn't. We had to. We have to clarify that. I mean, who's that, higher on the depth chart, exactly. not who's that's backup. The bad, but I, I think it's. I mean, higher on the depth chart. If Sam Darnold were to get hurt, wouldn't? Hey, it's an interesting feedback, AJ. But we're not interested. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it, I'll be honest. I, I was the one person uh, on the roundtable not involved with this because because it all moved too fast. The you, person you I were home all night going, "What the f? Why didn't I do that?" The person I felt most sorry for was Fez because it was like. Fez, what do you think the odds are? What should it be? And Fez gave it, and like some no, 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 no. I said Fez. I go, are you interested in this? He goes, well, let's think about this. And we say, what's the odds? And then he gives it a plus two twenty. I said, so that's the number you're comfortable with, the book? And he said, yes. And I just like the rattler. <laughs> but I, got I don't it think I he the... wanted it. I uh, was asking for it. I thought he was. Well, I asked him, is he comfortable betting it? I thought he was just asking, you, are you comfortable with the number that you're setting for me and McKenzie to bet? No, 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 no. Yeah. You I, need to listen more closely <laughs> to these things. Because, listen, you well, think Well, two minutes later, Fez was trying to weasel well, out of it. I was, was. I was shocked by what happened in front of me, which is why I said, wait, this is real? Give me the button. <laughs> yeah. I so that was the mastery of how I set this up. Yeah. I got Mackenzie ranting and raving. And, you know, and then I said, well, you know, I don't expect you to give me, what was he, three to one? Yeah. Saying? I don't expect that. And then he goes, go, let's do even money. I go, no, 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 which I would have laid a butt. You know, I think the odds are about 75%. I, I mean, would agree. I, I don't even see how Trey Lance gets it because here's the thing. This isn't just for show. If Brock Purdy doesn't, you know, start week one or if he gets hurt, who's coming in? The second show. I mean, that dictates who gets the snaps. Yeah. You think he wants to give more snaps to Trey Lance at this point? Not if he doesn't believe he's the guy. Well, obviously. Or at least the number but two. Well, again, the point that we made that was so strong. I, I made is four million dollars for Sam Darnold. What, who pays a third stringer four million? It, no one. It doesn't happen. And well, like, like the 49ers would be paying their third stringer four million. More, well, either way, <laughs> more than that. I think eight million yeah. this year. But but I, I guess my last point would be about that is that um, hmm, I guess the way to say it is 
Sam Darnold had his choice of other places to go be a backup. Why be a backup here yeah. unless he unless they're telling him, hey, we're not happy with Trey Lance. And there you go. Yeah. I, I I but remember, don't forget, did you you bet one time, right? Yeah. Yeah, I bet I bet. So who did you bet though? McKenzie. Maybe I, I got them both. Split it. Who knows? Well, it's interesting because remember, we're getting 220. Yeah. So I, I got them both. So that's 600 to win like 1,200 and, 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 and change. Well, I guess another 120. So 1,300. Maybe I just got Fez, not McKenzie. Yeah, I think maybe you should let them split it. Okay. Yeah, that way they, they, they yeah. get less exposure. Yeah. yeah, but the funny thing was. Scott really did act fast because you think about it. He did. I mean, you know, he was looking around. He, said, he saw me. What? <laughs> yeah, I was. I honestly was confused because I'm with you, RJ. I, I would lay. Honestly, I would lay minus two hundred that Sam Donald's the backup quarterback. Yeah, yeah I think <laughs> so. And, and you might think, oh, they'll keep uh, Trey Lance as the backup for a couple weeks, but if they demote him, that will get more publicity mm-hmm. than. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's where I think the 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 master artiste RJ. <laughs> really set the canvas up to be painted with this whole thing was before this bet got made, he made, I'm making quote fingers, an offer to McKenzie that we can stop talking about Trey Lance on the show forever. Yeah, yeah. If you read this statement, it's about a 30, 45-second statement, admitting that you were wrong, and I'll never bother you about Trey Lance again. And I knew as soon as he said that, McKenzie was going to become emotional and, and fired up about Trey Lance and not... Five minutes later, they've got a. He's in for six hundred bucks <laughs> on a bet that I know he doesn't feel great about. How could you feel great no. about? No, so <laughs> I, 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 I saw the setup. I saw the fall. I saw the whole thing. You and like, made the night worth it. It was like in slow motion. It was happening. I was so like, so somehow oh, no. you didn't piggyback it. No, I, I didn't. I, I felt bad. Oh, that's the mistake. That's the mistake. I'm not a killer. No one learns. I'm not a killer. No one learns. By not lo- losing helps you. Le- think about it. You learned. I did. Right. So you're you're hindering McKenzie's development. That's not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the last topic that interests me here um, today is the Saints, and we've been talking about this division. You want to kind mm-hmm. of look at the Saints? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think this. Now, listen. Let's give credit where credit's due. Is Scott was big on, hey, the Saints have an easy schedule. Mm-hmm. I picked them in our over-under season win bets. I have them over nine and a half. Um, I have them in the, like, to win the division. I picked them to win the division. And I believe that they are the class of this division. I understand that, and Fezical repeated a million times, that there's a, a, a Raz pick on the Atlanta Falcons. So there has been a syndicate that is behind the Atlanta Falcons this year, but I'm back in the Saints in this division. And remember, a pick on the Falcons doesn't mean that— It's anti-Saints, I understand. I mean, to some degree, they're playing twice, Mm -hmm. but, you know. And and again, a lot of the—listen, if a syndicate or a group of betters or a tout service, whatever you want to call people, is if they are making a show of releasing things— and it's not just a normal free pay, but it's some, you know, big pomp and circumstance. There's usually a reason. And what would that reason be? It would be easy to manipulate the market once you were – people said, oh, look, it's a syndicate. They're releasing something. So doesn't mean that the picks won't win. It, it just means that what are the odds that there isn't something in it for them beyond mm-hmm. just generosity? So – I, I do think that you got to be careful because, again, 
track whoever you're tracking that you think is you know a, a syndicate is say how often when they release publicly the line will run to a certain place now note it there and say where's the line close does it close back where some buyback happens mm. Or does it close a little further out? Or does it close where it stops? Because if, if there's buyback, you, you're suspicious? Well, it, first off, I mean, typically, it's not that syndicates never will be against each other, because they will. But in general, is if the games are being bought back a third of the time, that's way more. I mean, think about most moves you see. Mm -hmm. How You don't even know where they're coming from, but it's a major move, two points, two and a half points all at once. They don't often get bought back. Right? No, it happened. It happened in the preseason game last night. Total went down from thirty-seven to thirty-five. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It didn't go back up. Exactly. Yeah. And so, in general, you're going to see buyback not all that often. I don't know, fifteen percent of the time. So, if you're seeing it thirty, it's double. That's a sign that that maybe these picks, whoever you're looking at, aren't as good as they seem because the market was saying, "Oh, you you bet it and moved it up because the bookies, you know, afraid of the action." Okay, well, not afraid, but they wanted to account for the the opinion. But others said, oh, okay, give me the other side. You, you know, to me, in the preseason, we talked about it on S or on Dream Preview, I think fading these picks, especially if they move and then they move in a trickle after. So let's say a line goes from one to four. Mm -hmm. Now, if it gets up to six, that's when I want to bet it. Because I trust the – and last thing about this, but this is a little technical, but it's a great point. It's an important point. Let's say the thing goes, the line goes from one to four. Well, the last bet made was three and a half. Mm -hmm. So the, the syndicate, in theory, betted at three and a half, and, or someone that followed them did, but still big enough to move the line, and it happened all at once, so at least they're watching the screen. Three and a half pushes it to four, that last bet. Then at four, they said, no, thank you. We've had our fill, mm -hmm. right? Now, that means, can you bet it at four? No, because the different four might be not profitable for the other side, but it's not necessarily. In fact, it won't be profitable if three and a half is profitable. If you trust that syndicate, four isn't profitable for you because of the vig, right? But four and a half, no, nah. five, yeah. But again, we're on bad key, non-key numbers. Sure. Here. So, but so if you can get a point and a half and they're decent number, and obviously we're not talking through three or whatever, because then it's a monster. Then you could make the case the bet at three and a half was valid and, and profitable, and the bet at plus five and a half, let's say, was valid. Minus three and a half. Plus. So, unless, so that's why even if these syndicates that are moving preseason lines are accurate, or, or let's just say winning information, if it runs a couple more points after the initial move, it still can be valuable. It still can be a winner betting it back. And when I say winner, I mean positive EV. Right. Batting it back. Does that which make is, sense? It doesn't mean it's gonna win every time, but no, it's, it's no. which is what Fez did and then in turn I did with last night's game. It went from thirty seven down to thirty five. Fez played over thirty five and it landed thirty six. Ooh, now that that's that's like a lesson for you right there. Now, what happens if you get something at plus two twenty that should be minus two twenty? Yeah. Is there any lesson on that? Yeah. All right. So um Saints? Saints, Saints yeah. Talk? All right. So he mentioned how, you know, was at the forefront, Scott was. And let's look at their schedule. But I want to look at, Scott, maybe you can read it for us. Mm -hmm. I want to look at top 10 quarterbacks. How many top 10 quarterbacks do the Saints play? Now, in a season, every third game you should play a top 10 quarterback or so, right? 10 of 32. All right. 
All right, so one that's five, that's six. six five, nine, five or six a game. Five or six a season. A season, yeah. All right, let's count. Home against the Titans and Ryan Tannehill. No. At the Panthers and Bryce no. Young. At the Packers and Jordan Love. No. Home to the Bucks and let's call it Baker Mayfield. No and no. <laughs> at the Patriots and Mac Jones. No. At the Texans, C.J. Shroud. No. Now, so far, has there been a top 15 quarterback? No. I don't think so. All right. Oh, maybe Tannehill. But we'll see. Maybe. Yeah. Home against the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence. All right, top 10 quarterback. Yes. One. At the Colts, Anthony Richardson. No. Home to the Bears, Justin Fields. No. At the Vikings, Kirk Cousins. He's not top 10. He's, He's top, top 15. 15. Yeah, yes. but still not top 10. At the Falcons, Desmond Ritter. No. Home against the Lions, Jared Goff. He, he, to me, he's right there with Cousins, mm-hmm. uh, but he's not top That's fair. 10. That's fair. Home against the Panthers again, Bryce Young. No. Home against the Giants, Daniel Jones. No. At the Rams, Matthew Stafford. Now, we can debate that one, but first of all, what's the odds of Stafford playing that late in the year? Yeah, if, Matt, if Matt Stafford is healthy in Week 16, we can have a conversation. So why don't you check out Mark Sando at the Athletic and see what <laughs> and see where he's got Stafford? Because I don't think it's top 10. But you make an excellent point, though. It's Week 16, mm-hmm. and if the Rams are completely out of it, who's to say that Stafford's even playing at that or point? Or who's to say that no matter what happens, Stafford's being healthy that whole year yeah. doesn't seem like, you know, with a bad O-line? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Stafford 10. Okay, okay. So let's say, let's call it a half of one. He's got Cousins 12, Goff 15. Okay. So good call on those. Daniel Jones 19. So, yeah. yeah. All right. All right. At the Bucks and Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask. And then home against the Falcons, Desmond Ritter. No. So we're talking about if we. One and a half. Yes. If we're going to give the Stafford half, one and a half. And that's, that's generous. Yes. So, I mean, this. That's fascinating. How's that even happen? Like, how did the. How, it, it, it's like somehow like hitting five inside straights, avoiding any of the good quarterbacks. It's like when a college football team has their schedule and they don't play the top three teams in the conference. Mm. <laughs> Who are we talking about, Michigan? No, we gave our when we did our group of five yesterday, and we talked about True. the win totals. And we have like we like some teams in in uh, the the American Athletic Conference don't play because there's so many teams now with all the conference mm-hmm. realignment that it's not a balanced schedule. You don't play everybody. And there's certain teams that just don't play the best three teams you, in the conference. You know, I looked at it though. And, and like, it, I think this says a lot about the saints uh, win total, mm-hmm. but I'm looking at the Falcon schedule and it's the exact same thing. I, I mean, the, the, the one is Aaron Rodgers. They'll play. Which is uh, why people are high on the Falcons as well. Yeah, I get it. I get it's, it. It's wild that the NFC South was able to avoid basically everybody good. This well, they remember, don't have a top-ten quarterback in their own division. Oops. But, yes, for sure. But remember, um, you got games a year based upon your slot in the division. So it's going to be – I mean, the Saints, who was – what were they last year? Every, that, there was a three-way tie for the last place. Yeah, but not really. There no, was, they were all seven and ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. there was – because of the tiebreakers, there was a ranking, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think the Saints were the third-place team because Falcons were second. Yes, correct. Okay. The Falcons were the fourth-place team. Saints were oh, the third-place right. team. Flipped. Yeah, so that shows you – I'm guessing if you look at Tampa – Tampa know, was first place. There's yeah. going to be a couple of t- – you know, they're going to play Philly for sure because there'll be one versus one in the, in the conference. So Yeah, Tampa yeah. plays the Eagles, they the play Vikings, Buffalo, Buffalo the 49ers. See? Pack, yeah. See, yeah. I mean, they take, that first-place schedule is no joke, especially no. when you're from a crappy com- or division. Yeah, that's bad luck. That's, I mean, it's good luck if you're, if you're looking to, uh, to back the Saints or Falcons. Well, that's why a team, 18 of the last 20 years, has gone from worst to first in their division. And who do you uh, – do you have a feeling who that's going to – well, isn't um, – I guess the Falcons. Jay. Uh, 
Of course, RJ. Chats, what do you think? Chats, chats. I, you know, I, I will say something. Mike Lombardi said this, and it got me thinking. You know, I've been pretty high on Miami. You know, Jets, Miami, it's going to be hard to necessarily let both of them, mm-hmm. right? And he made a point. You know, if you look at the Shanahan system, the quarterbacks tend to get hurt in that system. And just the way they do the play action, turn the back, you know, turn the back to the uh, defense. I mean, just think about it. Is Jimmy G's been hurt nonstop? Now, do we know that's Jimmy? Now, listen, Jimmy G got hurt in New England, so mm-hmm. maybe but that was one injury, right? So then if you think about it, Brock Purdy got hurt. Obviously, Trey Lance got hurt. Obviously, Jimmy G got hurt. And what was it, Josh Johnson? Yeah. yeah. So he had four quarterbacks knocked out during the season? Is that a coincidence? Doesn't seem that way. No. And Miami has a Shanahan disciple. And we've got Tua, the most fragile quarterback in the history of the NFL at this point, mm-hmm. where if, if he takes a hit, is there any quarterback in the history of the NFL that's going to cause people to go, ah, like no, that? No, he's it. So maybe this whole Shanahan system thing is a bigger part of this than I realized. Maybe. It even goes back further. I mean, you can look at, uh, well, I guess Matt Ryan stayed healthy, but then again, Matt Ryan is a veteran who knows how to protect himself. Uh, but RG, It was one year, yeah, right? But, you know, RG3 in Washington, certainly, right? I had one more topic I wanted to bring up with you about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like tomorrow we're going to see a lot of Pittsburgh's first-team offense. Uh, Mike Thomas says they're going to get more time in Week 2. Kenny Pickett looked really good in, in his drive in Week 1. And Pittsburgh's a team I'm interested in if their offense takes a step. Like, if if, they, if Kenny Pickett takes a healthy step forward, I think Pittsburgh could, two is supposed to. could be a dangerous team. Like, do you, are, do you have – are you bullish on the Steelers or are you kind of cautiously optimistic? <laughs> like – uh, one of the great Simpsons is Homer was getting sucked into the pits of hell and Bart jumped down to try to grab him. He's holding him by the hand and then he draw, lets, somehow he lets go and Homer just goes down to hell and they pull Bart back and they go, how's your dad? He goes, he's, you know, he's spiraling to hell, but I think he's cautiously optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> but um, here's my apprehension. Pittsburgh has won. More close games. We talked about Minnesota last year. If you go back to when the first year Big Ben got hurt and they went 8-8 eight and eight with Rudolph, the red nose. Yeah, Mason reindeer. Rudolph. Yeah. All right. They were um, so lucky with, you know, punt return touchdown. Again, this team is a tough team, the Steelers. They tend to make big play. But history tells us that doesn't keep up. Well, every year that's been the case. If you actually look at their close wins, it, and if all you just simply say is, uh, eight points or less margin, what's your record? Pittsburgh over the last couple years is, you know, in fact, I can look it up as, as uh, you know, as you guys are talking. Um, but uh, that causes me to think if Pittsburgh had been five and what, a 12 or five and 11 prior a couple years, how would Pittsburgh, would people be as high on them right no, now? No, no. This whole it's, There's thing, like a thing that they all, they're always in it. Yeah, so I, I think it's a situation where that causes me to think they're a little overrated. But that said, I think Pickett, um, obviously Pickens looks to be a monster mm-hmm. coming out uh, in year two. And I think the D looks really good. I mean, now the D's get, I mean, Hayward's getting a little older, but I think they're still, still going to be good. And obviously Watt, if he stays healthy, 
And 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 Fitz, uh, Fitzpatrick is you know one of the best safeties in the league. And Joey Porter Jr. making his debut tomorrow. A lot of people excited about yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I think I think Pittsburgh. Listen, the bet I'm interested in would be anti-Bengals. Meaning, I think the Browns can win it. Mm-hmm. I think the Ravens can win it. Though I'm down on the Ravens generally, just because I don't believe that Lamar has shown anything since 2019 that passing is his thing. So I think it's a good roll of the dice by the Ravens because they're not going to win without passing the ball more a Super Bowl. But I don't think it's necessarily going to work. And if it does, it's not going to work the first half of the year. I think the worst time for this new offense for Lamar will be the first half of this season. But I would love to get – I mean, I think the Bengals are minus 160 now to win the division. So – if I could get the rest of the, the other three at plus 140, I'd love that. Browns have not won the division. I saw this yesterday. Mm-hmm. When's the last time you think they won the division? <sighs> Never. <laughs> 1989. The Browns didn't win it then. It was the, it was the Ravens that won it. The, well, the Ravens didn't exist. In, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, who's the Browns? Uh, it's true. It's true. All right? Right? I mean, that's the interesting Touché. thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Is the Browns... Went, the current iteration of the Browns have never won a division title. They went debunked or whatever for like two years, and they, but then they made a decision. The Ravens became a new franchise. Yeah, the city of Cleveland retained the record. Yeah. Yes. So I guess we can say, yeah, maybe. But Oof. yeah, isn't it interesting though? They leave that city yeah. and become one of the biggest winners. Yeah. Yeah. How could and even Art Modell owned them? Mm-hmm. How could that be? Vinny Testaverde. There's something, <laughs> something in the water. I tell you, I've I've, I've been up in Cleveland. It's more than the water. RJ, appreciate the time. Oh, hold on, AJ. I, I do have listen. I deliver on teases. You know what? I give you credit for doing that. Uh, I a deliver week ago. on teases. You're right. I'm a new man. Which changed? <laughs> okay, one scored game since 2019. So that's 19 season, 20, 21, 22. That's four seasons. Also known 19 as the Mason Rudolph debacle. I used to like Rudolph. I don't even like Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer at this point. So the best team, if you say how many wins did they have, one score or less, minus losses, plus 18, Kansas City Chiefs. Okay. All right. Next, the Steelers, plus 14. Hmm. And this makes you doubt them? Yes. But what, does it make you doubt the Chiefs? Now, hold on a second. Packers, 10. So, so it was a big drop-off. And then no one else in double digits. So think about it. Pittsburgh's one. Not near – I'll actually search and say how many wins do they have during that time. Like the percentage of games has to be massive. For it, it's going to be the biggest. So, to me, the belief is that no team in the long run is able to keep winning close games. That I mean, isn't that the whole premise of fading the Vikings? Sure. So, Pittsburgh's had an amazing run. The only difference is Kansas City has had leads – and, and they've just let teams, you know, be up by 14. Then you let the team come back, right? I mean, Pittsburgh's winning games on punt returns. Right. You know, so I, in general, I just don't think it's sustainable. And thus, it causes me at minimum to be neutral. I was going to be negative on them. But, no, I agree. There's a lot of positive things going on right now. Uh, I, just, um, I just think this is a problem. Okay, so Pittsburgh had, real quick, I was just able to do that just as we were talking. Now, check this out. Oh, the Chiefs have 62 wins, all right? 18 net more close wins than losses. That has to count playoff wins, obviously. Yeah. 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 But it count, all of it counts. Okay. Yeah. Pittsburgh has 38 wins. <laughs> wow. Jeez. I mean, so 
Yeah, yeah I, I see your point. You know what I'm going to do? I, I can tell one last thing. I can give us what the actual record was. I want to see what the record is in these. So Pittsburgh is actually, um, let's see here. This is amazing. Pittsburgh Steelers, right? Uh huh. They're 28 wins and 14 losses. So they're sixth, you know, uh, what would you call that? That would be um, 66.7%. Yeah, percent. So let's think about this. Uh, what's the Chiefs, let's say, because they were the best? Chiefs, wow. Chiefs have 30 wins and 12 losses. The Chiefs have crazy numbers of close wins, and no one else is in the universe. Well, remember two years ago, the Chiefs, like, they were winning every game not and covering. not covering yeah. every game. Like, they were like clockwork. Yeah, the Steelers have 28 wins. I mean, yeah. So it, it, it's really, other than having Patrick Mahomes, think about it. Pittsburgh had Mason Rudolph mm-hmm. uh, shot Big Ben. And a rookie quarterback during this time. Yeah. Yeah. I listen, I love the Steelers. Probably too much luck for me. All right. All On right. that note, now, good morning, Art. The thing. No. <laughs> Thank you. Let's take a look at the Major League Baseball schedule here for Friday. We do have a double header on the schedule. The Tigers and the Guardians will play two. Why, you ask? Well, because yesterday they didn't play one. Lazy bums. (laughs) So they'll play two today. Uh, The early game will feature, as of right now, Tariq Skubal and Gavin Williams, although there's no odds on these games just yet because the pitching situation could change for game one and game two. It happens all the time with doubleheaders and game two, uh, possible Matt Manning and Xavion Curry. But again, the pitching matchups could change, and then the odds will come out later on this morning. Make sure if you wager on these games. Listed pitchers. Listed pitchers always do listed pitchers because a book might throw a game out there a a line out there and say hey we're gonna do cleveland minus 170 and it's gonna be curry against manning and then it winds up being curry against scooble the line changes so just always do listed pitchers on double header games uh, one other day game, we got the uh, Friday day game in Wrigley. The Cubs hosting the Royals. Jamison Tyone gets the start for the Cubbies. Cal Reagans goes for Kansas City. Chicago's minus 190. Blue Jays are at the Reds tonight. You got Jose Barrios on the mound for Toronto. Brett Kennedy is on the mound for the Reds. You got the Red Sox at the Yankees. Brian Bello on the mound for the Red Sox. And the Yankees, not quite sure what they're going to do <laughs> what with they're their gonna pitching scrap situation together. yet. What they're going to throw together for this mm-hmm. game. They never know anymore. It's, it's crazy. You never know. Might go with an opener. Might not. Try uh, to get, Trying to get back to 500. Mm, we'll see if they can. Wolf. Phillies are at the Nationals. Michael Lorenzen, his first start after the no-hitter. Remember, they gave him extra rest after throwing that no-hitter. Yoan Adone gets the start for the Nationals. The Phillies are minus 205. Total of nine in this one. The Giants are at the Braves. Alex Cobb on the mound for San Francisco. Spencer Strider for Atlanta. Atlanta is minus 220. Strider's got some ground to make up in the Cy Young race. Strider's ERA is 3.75. That's, that's not, not great. That's not Cy Young ERA. And in fact, that's not minus 225 ERA. Like, that's a, he's a solid pitcher. He strikes out a lot of guys, mm-hmm. no doubt. But, man, it feels like they're you're, he's still being lined and treated like he is the Cy Young, mm-hmm. and it doesn't mm-hmm. look like it's that kind of season for him. Nah, my boy Zach Gallon's the Cy Young. Looks no way. Nah. What a great, what a great futures bet. Uh, the Brewers. Blake Snell got something to do. Shh. 
How dare you? <laughs> the Brewers are at the Rangers. Brandon Woodruff on the mound for Milwaukee. Andrew Haney goes for Texas. Rangers minus 120. Pirates are at the Twins. Pablo Lopez scheduled to go for the Twinkies. Andre Jackson scheduled to go for the Pirates. No line on this one. Oh, actually, I see a, a minus 225 on the Twinkies. Yes. That's heavy. That's, That's heavy. a heavy price. Uh, the Mariners are at the Astros. Bryce Miller goes for the Mariners. J.P. France for Houston. Astros minus 148. Is that too high for J.P. France? No, J.P. France has been he's been arguably the most consistent pitcher mm, since okay. the All-Star break. Uh, you talk about ERAs. He's at 274. He's been very sharp for the Astros. So I, I'm not fading the Astro, Astros on J.P. France day. Okay. Mets are at the Cardinals. Joey Lucchese is going to get the start probably for the Mets. Uh, looks like it's going to be Zach Thompson for St. Louis, but no line on this game yet. Probably waiting to see confirmation on Lucchese getting the start. Yeah, Mets got us to the window yesterday. Yes, they both don't... first five and full game. Boy, it was a sweat early on. Adam Wainwright didn't look like a trash can for at first least three a few innings. innings. He was healing. <laughs> yeah, but then this was great. He threw, it was a 3-1 pitch to Pete Alonso that was well outside, called strike two. And Alonso like, went to toss his bat like for the walk. And then it was strike two called, and so he had to pick his bat back up. And it's like, man, I mean, if that's going to be the type of game it is, and Wainwright's going to get those calls, like, how are you going to win this bet? It's just, it's just terrible. Next pitch, two run home run. Yeah, should walked him. <laughs> yeah, should have walked him. Is right. Uh, White Sox are at the Rockies. Michael Kopech on the mound for Chicago. Pete Lambert is scheduled to go for Colorado, and it's minus one ten both ways. In this game, you got the Rays at the Angels and Tyler Anderson on the mound for the Angels. For the Rays, it's Erasmo Ramirez. Right now, the Rays are a minus 115 favorite. The A's are hosting the Orioles. Kyle Gibson for Baltimore. Luis Medina for Oakland. Baltimore's minus 190. Brandon Fads scheduled to go for the Diamondbacks at the Padres. Seth Lugo will go for San Diego. San Diego. Diego's minus 178. And the Marlins are at the Dodgers. Sandy Alcantara on the mound for the Marlins. Tony Gonsolin for the Dodgers. LA's minus 145. They won 1 nothing yesterday. Corbin Burns pitched a gem for the Brewers. Uh, also pitching a gem was Lance Lynn, who went seven shutout innings. And then in the bottom of the eighth inning, Austin Barnes hit his first home run in. I think it was over a year. Wow. Was the last time. Good that, timing. That Austin Barnes went deep. Yeah. And the Dodgers won their 11th straight game. And they just don't lose. They don't lose. And I'm not fading them tonight. First home run in nearly a year. So it was almost a year since Austin Barnes hit his last home run. But I mean, 11 straight wins. They don't lose in the month of August. Hitting, winning at over 80% in the month of August over the last four years. That's an unbelievable stat. And and I bet against them yesterday. What an idiot. Well, only in the first five. It was okay. a push. Zero, zero. All right. I should have took the half a run. <sighs> should have, could have, would have. Yeah. Maybe stop betting against the Dodgers in August. UFC 292 on Saturday night. And we've got two title fights. Uh, Aljamain Sterling taking on your boy, Scott. Sean O'Malley. O- Sean O'Malley. Uh, Amanda Lemos challenges Wang Zhe Li. Uh, Zhang, Weili Zhang. I, I, I'm terrible at saying. I, like sometimes her name will be listed Weili Zhang, and then they'll call her Zhang Weili. I'm not sure how you're supposed to say it. She's either Weili Zhang or Zhang Weili. I know that much. Uh, just, just say Lee. No, it's Weili. Uh, w e i l i. Okay. 
So I, I don't know. I'm trying to be respectful. I just don't know. She's listed on the sports book as Zhang Weili. Okay. But I think when they announce her in the office, it's Weili Zhang. Zhang. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Weili Zhang and Amanda Lamosh. Uh, Lamosh. Malio Sean. Plus Sterling 270. Uh, and I, I think Sterling takes care of business in the, in the main event. But I'm going to go for my best bet. Cheeto Vera. Marlon Vera. Uh, minus 190 is the number. Draws a very beatable opponent in his first fight back since being just dominated by Corey Sanhagen. But I think in hindsight, Sanhagen's on a different level than Cheeto, and and he was able to shut down everything he wanted to do. I don't believe that Pedro Munoz is going to be able to do that. Munoz, his best weapon is his ability to just eat punishment and keep coming forward. And that's a great recipe against lower-level guys, and it makes for fun fights, but it doesn't work against the best guys in the division. Two, four, and one in his last seven fights. The wins came against Jimmy Rivera, Chris Gutierrez. The losses, Aljamain Sterling, the current champion. Frankie Edgar, former champion. Jose Aldo, former champion. Mm. And Dominic Cruz, former champion. Vera's last two wins are knockouts over Edgar and Cruz, guys that just beat uh, you know, Munoz. And at 36 years old, it's probably we're seeing some diminishing returns on Pedro Munoz. So uh, I think Marlon Vera is the better fighter right now. He's in his prime. So I'm going to go Marlon Chito Vera, minus 190 for my best bet tomorrow night. Talk to me about Weidman Tavares. Why is Tavares such a heavy favorite? Weidman's been out for two years. Uh, he had, Remember, he had that gnarly knee injury against Uriah Hall, uh, and he was supposed to be back a year after that injury. It didn't heal properly. He had to have another surgery. He's now 39 years old. Uh, that said, if he is ever going to be you know, a top 10 fighter, he's got to be able to beat a guy like Brad Tavares, who's now 36 years old as well. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to place a small wager on Chris Weidman at plus 227. I was thinking uh, about it. And You know what else I was thinking about? The under two and a half. I don't like that because I don't like Chris Weidman to finish. If he wins, okay. I don't think he finishes. Okay. I, I think it's a grind. You're not worried about the stamina just no. being out so long? No. I, I think I mean, wrestlers typically have cardio forever. Okay. Um, but I, I worry about if he's if he's going to win, I would imagine he wins by decision. But I'm not going to play a prop on him because plus 227 is a healthy return yeah, anyway. Yep, yep. Uh, the, what it is for me is, listen, if we, if we lose with Weidman here, and I'm playing this very small, but if we lose with Weidman here, I rip up my plus 227 ticket, and I say, you know what? I'm never betting on Chris Weidman again. He's washed. He's probably never fighting again. He might not. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't mind taking a taste of Chris Weidman as a big dog here. And as far as the main event, over, under, three and a half, what do you think? I would lean towards under three and a half rounds. I, I think Aljamain Sterling yeah. finishes him. Okay. Um, and you can play a prop on that inside the distance at plus 110 if you like Sterling to finish. Um, it's just a matter – but – Playing it the way you do, playing under three and a half rounds, also gives you the the opportunity that if O'Malley has a knee on a takedown and puts Aljo straight to sleep, you still win. So under three and a half, not a bad bet, I would say, on that fight. If you'd like to get AJ's full UFC card, you can head to pregame.com. And guess what? I'm going to give you 20% off. Thank you. At pregame.com. Use the promo code COOK20. Dalvin Cook to New York Jet. I'm very happy. Cook20 is the promo code to use at pregame.com. That's going to save you 20% off your purchase. I got a three-star best bet up for tonight's baseball game, so you want to check that out as well. And we have the Like Super Contest up and running, free to enter. Entries are being loaded in as we speak. Go to pregame.com, click on Contest, find the Like Super Contest contest. Then what is it? It's just like the Super Contest, like the name says. You pick five games per week, but the best part about it, 
You don't have to pick them all at once. You can wait till the best lines are available, and then you can pick them Friday, Saturday, right before kickoff on Tuesday Sunday, if you want. Yeah, you can whatever, whatever. Get the best lines before they move. Why not? Pick five games per week, and then the winner gets either their choice of fifteen hundred dollars cash or. They get free entry into next year's Westgate Super Contest with free proxy here in Las Vegas included, so you don't even have to live in Vegas to make your picks there. So your choice, it's free to enter. Go to pregame.com, click on contests, find the like Super Contest, and enter. It's free, and it's and it's fun. And again, 20% off your purchase at pregame.com, whether you want a daily best bet or a season-long package. Take 20% off using the promo code Cook20, C-O-O-K, Cook20 at pregame.com. For A.J. Hoffman, our special guest, R.J. Bell, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas, A.M.